0: listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. We're six games into the season. The L.A. Kings are 3-2-1. Normally, I'd be an anxiety-ridden mess with that record. But I got to tell you, I'm feeling pretty good about the squad. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy?
1: Good, man. Good. Once again, we're recording maybe a little, little later than we thought we would. But, you know, it is what it is. We got a, plenty of games to go over. I think uh, I'm not I'm not concerned about that record. I think you and I both looked at it. Remember at the end of last episode, and we said that's a pretty tough start for this team. Sure. That those are those are some high quality opponents that they're playing against, and I think to uh, to be three two and one so far, going into a second game of a home and home against Arizona uh, coming up tomorrow. I'm. I'm good with that. I'm good with more than anything I'm good with how the team has played. Truthfully, that's that's I think the the key factor here.
0: Yeah, I think outside of that Colorado opener, I'm pretty comfortable saying that with my eyes and we'll get into some stats later, some underlying stats, but from where I'm sitting and from what I saw, the Kings were probably the better team in 5 of the 6 games they've played outside of the Colorado game where I think clearly Colorado outclassed them uh for long stretches of that game specifically the McKinnon line uh so that's I think where my optimism's coming from I think overall possession wise hiding whatever you want to call it high danger chances all those metrics are probably in the king's favor almost every game so that's a good sign obviously those don't really tell the whole story but like i mentioned they're also passing the eye test for me so i think things are fine i am you know this time last season things were not fine and i'm i don't remember their record at this point last season maybe we could fish that out real quick but i assume it wasn't too different but it's the way they're the way they're they're losing and the way they're winning i think is the big difference
1: yeah yeah I, I think i agree with you i think la and I'll, I'll pull this up while we're chatting but i think last season when it all started it felt like there was more uh, uneasiness growing pains i don't know what you want to what you want to call it it didn't feel like they were really controlling the flow of the game necessarily as much as i feel like they are now um I think you, you nailed it right on the head. That Colorado game was the one game that they looked like they were not in the building at all. Every other game, they suffered what I would probably consider a bad loss, not to take anything away from the other teams, um, but games that, like even the Carolina one with with that wacky kind of ending at the end with, with them coming back and getting it to overtime, Carolina was not the better team. Carolina we held them to 18 shots, I think. I mean they were they were not the better team. And I think that's also what's made it a bit more palatable probably from the coaching staff standpoint. Um but it is interesting when you're playing against opponents of that capability where even if they're having a bad night, if the attention to detail isn't there, if there's they can take your little mistakes and really magnify them and I think that's really what you were seeing against carolina and boston in particular um where the little mistakes even though the general flow of the game the general pressure of the game the advanced metrics were all where you wanted them to be uh those teams can capitalize on your little mistakes and make you pay for it i think that's that's where what it came down to especially in those two games
0: yeah specifically the carolina game i think todd mcclellan's kind of been talking about how individual mistakes and not group mistakes are what have led to some of these losses. And in that game, obviously, Kevin Fiala, It's all. it feels so long ago now, but he had probably one of the worst games, not only in a King uniform, but I, w- I wouldn't be spri- surprised if it was one of his worst outings in his career so far. Um, the expected goals for that game, like ter- Carolina's expected goals were 1.8, and they end up scoring six. Mm-hmm. And the Kings were 3.5 and they end up scoring five. So that's a lot closer. Um, Phoenix Copley, I think he would tell you that he didn't have the greatest game. A couple of goals. I think he ended up with minus four saves above expected, Mm -hmm. which is not, not great. Right. And in general, I think, you know, looking at it now, the Kings sit first in the NHL in high danger, chances for percentage, which means chances for versus chances against. They're top in the league, 66% for. So, you know, it's like goaltending is going to be a theme. adventure. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be, you know, and we knew this coming in, right? Like all we said is like, hey, give us that 900 save percentage and the team will probably be okay. And there are some games the goaltending... Tandem hasn't given that to the Kings, but they're, I think they're still in a good position. Cam Talbot seems like he's finding his game. Phoenix Copley's coming off a game where he was pretty sharp. So those are good things to build on. And if we can get competent goaltending, if the Kings get competent goaltending moving forward, I am not concerned. We talked about last season. Last season, so they were three and three.
1: Yeah, after I was just six games. That, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So Almost the same, right? Except I think they had three regulation losses. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Yep. Yeah. So,
0: but the the chances they were giving up, that was the big issue. The goaltending wasn't good. We all know this. But the high danger chances given up last season were significantly different than what you're saying. They're barely giving up every anything right now.
1: So, sorry, just to cut you off on the theme of of last year's start, right? So the first loss was 4-3 to Vegas. The second game was 4-1 to Seattle. Then it was 7-6 mm. against Minnesota that the Kings actually pulled out the win there. Then 5-4 overtime win against Detroit. Uh, 4-3 win against Nashville. And then they lost 6-1 to Pittsburgh. So those are the first six games. So basically of the first six games, there was only one game that they allowed under four goals. And I think that's, that's what I distinctly remember was just... Man, they were giving up a lot of goals. And man, these were goals that just like were coming from terrible, terrible areas, you know? Right.
0: It wasn't until it wasn't until game twenty-five where that nine-eight game happened, which is yeah. crazy to say yeah. twenty-five games they dealt with that like figuring out their structure, figuring right. out their goaltending, just allowing chance after chance, playing those track meet type of games. Twenty-five games, they didn't have an identity. I feel like they have an identity now, right? Which is great.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and again, that's you know, you can look at the records here, and even in these last few games, really only one of them was there. The Winnipeg game was the five-one win, right? Like that was the one that Talbot they got they got one late goal with like a minute thirty left or something silly like that. Otherwise, Talbot was on his way to a shutout and. Uh, pld was going to get the the game winner there um so they're still giving up a lot of goals i would say they're still allowing a lot of goals but again i, I don't think it's like wave after wave after wave and the goalie is just coming up with huge saves and it's just the ones that he can't make that are going in i think again you can you can look at the stuff any which way you want to and a lot of people don't necessarily agree with expected goals and, and things like that but i think across the course of a season across the course of two three seasons there's definite value in these advanced metrics and when you look at it right now the kings have allowed 15 goals against but their expected goals is 9.46 so to me when i look at that i go okay the team is doing a Decent job limiting chances. These are not necessarily chances that are coming from guaranteed to score high danger areas. It's just maybe a little shaky goaltending one night to the next, and a little bit of that, you know, you can credit the teams that they're playing against. I think. I think if we're, you know, we started the first six games of the season and we're playing San Jose twice and and Phoenix, you know, twice in there. I, I think. I expect the goals against average probably would have been a whole heck of a lot better.
0: Agreed, 100%. And, and just to add some more uh, expected goals, fancy stats that you guys <laughs> expected goals for percentage Kings first in the NHL 58.14%. Scoring chances for percentage Kings second in the NHL 56% only behind, I believe, New Jersey. These are good numbers, man. And, yeah. and I know it's, you could argue small sample size, but when the sample size is against the teams you you just mentioned and we just talked about, that's, I think where the positivity kind of comes in for me. So they're out chancing, right? Their expected goals every game are significantly higher than their opponent outside of that first game mm-hmm. against Colorado. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a matter of just cleaning up some details, limiting individual errors and, getting a little bit of solid goaltending. And this is a very difficult team to play against night in and night mm-hmm. out.
1: Yeah. I, I, The one other thing I will add, it's not just one line carrying it. Across the course of six games so far, we have seen different lines show up. We have seen multiple lines show up and play well in a game. Last game against Arizona, I mean, the fourth line truly established themselves And I think that's one other thing that especially going back to the playoffs last year, we were very concerned about the bottom six, and what they were able to bring and how they were able to hold up against certain opponents. Um, And I think it's very reassuring to see that night after night, if one line's not on, if a couple guys aren't on, no worries, guys, we, you know, there's, there's another line that can carry it here. Trevor Moore has had an incredibly hot start. Kopitar has come out as then, you know, his usual thing. I think, uh, you know, Fiala for all of his kind of lackluster puck control, you know, adventurous games, so to speak, the numbers are still there and him and Dubois are getting along just fine, especially with their new unexpected linemate with uh, Alex LaFerriere. Um, and we still have room to improve. I still don't, Byfield, I think, started out really well the first couple of games. I think he's tapered off again. and Now you're seeing a little bit more of this like listless kind of pointless skating around you know, not, not a ton of, um, I don't know, detail is not the right word, but just oomph, that last little like bit to make make all that effort worthwhile is not quite there yet. Um, Kempe still hasn't really had the start. I think we, we saw from him in the preseason. He's got two goals and they're both empty netters. So I think there's still room to improve, even for an offense that is humming along nicely and is you know outchancing opponents and putting up all the types of goals that they are.
0: Yeah, I think just focusing on a few of the players you mentioned. Got to talk about Pierre Luc Dubois. I I I think he's fitting in very nicely with the way the team plays. I think mm-hmm. he fits into the way the Kings play the game. I think he's you know I we were obviously critical or I don't even know if we were critical because we kept repeating that we know the Kings got a good player here. I don't think that was the issue. I think we questioned if the trade was necessary or such a big swing for a 104 point team was necessary at the time. I think when he's in a situation like this, where he's not the guy, you know what I mean? Maybe he's not even in the top five guys, you know, that everyone's (laughs) looking at on the team. I think he's just kind of quietly, at times loudly, been a force on the ice. And I think you see his game and what it can do for a team like the Kings, who when they do establish a forecheck, when they do throw it in, and they do want to play below the dots, he is very, very difficult to play against. Like a complete menace out there, drawing penalties, Good puck protection, protection, and we've seen his playmaking a little bit, too. He sees the ice very well. Sometimes he'll force a pass where you're like, you probably didn't need to force that there, right? There are sticks everywhere, but you're still trying it. But other than that, I think solid returns, man. And you mentioned the bottom six. The Kings got four lines that could play now. We were hoping, okay, now we got three lines that we could play with Dubois in the middle, but now you got four lines that are working. Because Grundstrom's playing well, like you said, mm-hmm. Lazad's playing well. Trevor Lewis is killing penalties, which is much improved, statistically speaking. He's also contributing a little bit here and there. So, it's going to be tough to play against the Kings every night. I think that's that's my main takeaway from the first six games. And hopefully, there's a kind of a sweetheart pocket of the schedule coming up. Although not right away, because I think we got Vegas and Toronto coming up right pretty quickly here. But uh, Byfield, the other one you mentioned, look. I know there's like a very big pro Byfield contingent on Twitter. And I understand because his numbers are great. His, his play driving numbers are really good. His expected goals numbers are really good. But I think what you, you and I always kind of talk about is like, there's gotta be more than that because you could play the right way, go up and down the ice, you know, four check hard, knock pucks out, go low to high and then go to the, but I think there's, There's been several situations already in this young season where you want to see him play with a little bit more confidence with the puck. Yes, he's great at, you know, chipping it out or chipping it deep and going and getting it. He's great at that. Cool. But I don't want him to be that. Or at least I don't want him to be just that. I think he's got to be more than that. And it's still very early, but there's a couple of games or plays specifically in that Boston game where you and I – we're fortunate enough to, to be in the press box. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but there's a couple of plays where if he just put his head down and, and thought more as a shooter or thought more as a a creative playmaker that he could have made more happen where he just kind of went with his first instinct or his, the first thing he saw panicked a little bit with the puck when he had more time. So it's more things like that. Yes. His play driving. Great. His, underlying numbers are all they all look really good but there's more here that we need to see from them well do we have to see it this season I really don't know but when you're watching the game live and you see these opportunities and you realize hey if you just held on a second longer and shot it you might have scored you might have produced a rebound instead it was like a quick little turnover close to the net so that's all we're saying on byfield and I agree with you I think St- the first two games, Colorado, Carolina, I think he had like six shot attempts each game. Mm-hmm. And I think um, they were most of them were five on five. Like that's what you want to hear. That's what you want to see. But then he tails off the next two games. I don't think he had a single shot attempt in those next two games or maybe one. So that's the difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, since we're on the advanced stats train here um, on ice, score adjusted expected goal percentage tops in the tops on the team 69.5 percent his his fenwick Corsi all 59 62 percent i mean he goes as the rest of the team goes but it's it's the same things it's (sighs) the talent is so clearly there The ability is so clearly there to like get himself into those positions that a lot of guys do not have the god-given ability or the size to place themselves into and i think you had a really good observation when we were looking at it um kind of piggybacking over your your commentary of dubois if there was just a little bit of, of that in byfield I think you'd have a, a completely different player, which is really ironic because I think a lot of the discussion about Dubois coming to this team was how he could benefit from playing with Deno and Kopitar and learning a little bit more of that two-way side of the game. Uh, I don't know, pick up some tip pointers in the pace off dot, whatever it might be. But ironically, I, I kind of wish that a little bit of the way Dubois plays would rub off on Byfield a little bit. That aggressiveness to get to the front of the net, that like hunger to put that puck in the net. I feel like a lot of times when I see Byfield shoot, even the goal he got, even the goal he got, uh, I forget if it was in Car- against it Carolina. Was. Or,
0: it was.
1: He he wasn't really trying to score. I know he was taking a shot on net, but I swear he 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 was just hoping that he was trying Kobe to pass. Would, he was not. I know. Taking a shot. Uh, that's, yeah. that's 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 right. It got like deflected, but it was. That's my point. There's this there's this like passiveness or a mistrust in his own game or fear or something that's still kind of there. And I think it's completely between the ears for him. I think it's completely in his own head that, oh, I'm not supposed to do this here or, oh man, I'm so scared if this doesn't go in. He had Swayman down and out in that Boston game on a rebound and shot it completely between his legs. I mean, Swayman was laying on his back, Right, you almost, shot it into him. He shot it right into him. I'm just like, man, I, you're not going to get more opportunities like this. You're in the right spot for it. You're creating the chances for yourself and for your linemates. But something at some point needs to click where you're not double clutching your shots or you're, you know, the, it just that's what it is. And I don't know how you can bring that out of a player. When they're already doing all the right things to put themselves in that position, it's just a—it's a lack of confidence. And for the life of me, I, I don't fully understand why. Because it's not like there's a ton of pressure on him. He's not expected to carry this team. He's not—you know—I uh, uh, I don't know who's name name some. He's not Connor Bedard, right? Like no, he's not a savior no. for the franchise or something like that, where the guy, where people are paying. He's not, not even Alexis to...
0: Lafreniere in New York. Exactly. Exactly. He's in LA, nice and tucked away. Yeah. So whatever he's... pressure he's feeling is self-inflicted
1: for sure. Absolutely. 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 I, I 100% agree with that. And you want to see the flashes. You, you use this term and I think it's, it's very salient and it fits. You want to see those flashes of like, Ooh, you were, you, you were right there and he had it the first two games 100 he had it. he yeah. came out you know guns blazing taking shots fearless and then i don't know why but it just hasn't been there again the last last four in my opinion
0: i think the good news is obviously there is you know if he's doing all the right things that's a great sign right like if you don't have that, it's a bigger problem because I think I would yeah. rather have a guy who's doing the right things and just needs to get over that hump of of having the confidence to know like, hey, I could score mm-hmm. or I could I could be creative. I could be elite in some moments versus a guy who doesn't want to do the right thing and just goes to his skill all the time. So mm-hmm. I'd rather have that, obviously. I'd rather have what Bayfield is now and he's still young. It's just a matter of... He's played enough games now. I know how old he is, but he's played enough NHL games now probably to at least build up the self-confidence to be like, this is going top shelf, dude. Like it's Mm -hmm. me and the goalie and I got time. Like I'm just going to look up. I'm not going to, you know, have that jittery, you know, fire, fire, fire mentality before someone gets me or something. So I'm still confident it'll come. And I maintain that as long as the team is doing well and the line itself is doing well, I could be more patient with him.
1: Right. That's fair. And I'm fine with it. Again, we're, I'm not nitpicking necessarily because I do think it's important for the future of the team that he eventually emerges into into what they hoped he would be. I don't think you can keep saying, well, we don't need him to be, as good as we hoped our second overall pick would be because now we've got Dubois and we've got three centers and no, man, you still need him to be that guy. Maybe not this year, but by like, you know, he's 23 years old. Like you need him to be a solid 60, 70 point guy. You just do. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it.
0: Another guy we can talk about a rookie. Mm Mm-hmm. Alexis LaFerrier. Oh, there you go. I, yeah, you did, it. You did, I did it. It, you it was when happen it happened and it happened <laughs> right out of the gate. So I'm glad that's over with uh Alex LaFerrier. Right. Uh through six games. He is tied for the lead in, in shots on goal, I believe. Let me let me double check that. Uh no, he's tied for second. Pierre Luc Dubois has actually eclipsed him with 18 shots on goal. Then it's LaFerriere and Kempe with 17 each. Shot attempts. Mm -hmm. uh Kempe has 42 now and Laferriere has 34 at second Mm. but um yeah he right out of the gate he comes out firing right he's you want to talk about confidence and you want to talk about the self-belief that you belong here this kid has it all in spades he has not for one second looked out of place he looked like he looks like he's been a six-year veteran he plays with confidence he believes in his abilities He's playing with good players, and I think he knows it. Um, and I and I love some of the comments he's made already. Uh, I think, you know, when they asked him, "Does it feel good to get your first goal?" Obviously, he said yes. But I think his the comment that stuck out to me was like mostly because like it rewards my line mates for always setting me up, and I don't mm-hmm. want those guys to feel like they're not getting. the yeah. So That's 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 terrific because they have been setting him up. I mean his his goal against Boston. A beautiful passing sequence. Fiala Mm -hmm. with kind of the east-west stretch pass to Dubois and Dubois right on his tape. And, he, you know, uh, Leferriere makes no mistake on the finish. So I've been very impressed with him. I know it's early, but I'm already like, you, this kid cannot see another AHL game. Like, he can't... Like, what are we doing here? If he... For who? Now, for who is going to be probably Arvidsson whenever he does come back, but that's looking (laughs) like multiple months away apparently um so it's an opportunity for him i'm glad he's gonna get to stick around at least for more than half the season it seems like
1: yeah and i think the i think the coaching staff is very much rewarding him for his efforts you know you talk about a guy who plays to his strengths he knows what kind of game he plays he plays a straight line game he skates hard and he knows he can shoot the puck He's not afraid to do it. And he just knows that that's how he's going to stay in this league. So he's immediately been placed on the second line. doesn't seem like there's any second thoughts whatsoever about shuffling the lines. And interestingly enough, the player who we all thought was going to be on that line, Artie Kaliev, seems to be looking pretty damn good working it's... with Dano and, and Trevor Moore in Arvidsson's spot. Now, he's he's not a direct replacement. Victor Arvidsson is a a very, very unique player for this team and I think adds an element to this team that is very sorely missed, particularly on the power play. But that being said, I think the early returns for Artie Kaliev on that line have been promising as well in a different way. I think he's also a guy who's got a nose for the net and knows where to go for his line mates to set him up and he's getting rewarded. Again, it goes back to what I said earlier, that you're seeing more than one line each night being productive. And that's I think that was the entire goal with going out and getting Dubon in the first place, was to just have layers, to have that backing of next lineup, next lineup, next lineup, to be able to trust that the next line's got you covered, you know?
0: Agreed. And on Kaliev, he just looks engaged like that's the best word I could come up with he just looks like he looks more confident and obviously Mm -hmm. when you're more confident you get more engaged but I think he's the right fit with that line man I really do especially if they're going to get especially if Dubois line is going to get more minutes I think that's the right move and when Arvidsson comes back maybe you slide Arvidsson over on Dubois wing but then you know you say well the kids looking pretty good on that wing too so so it, it, it's a great, great problem to have. Um, and it's still months away. So I'm very curious as to how the Kings are going to handle it. Um,
1: yeah. I, I, I do think that's that's tough for Arvidsson because, I mean, and sorry, for, uh, for Kaliev, because a lot of last year, I felt like he was out of place being with Lazat and Grunström or whoever. I mean, that's not, look, that's not where you want this guy to play right? Ultimately, that's not the role that you want this guy to have. You want him to be with more offensively gifted, creative players who can set him up so that he can finish, so he can use a shot. And a lot of his productivity last year was on the power play, which right now is a little bit of a work in progress because again, you're missing Arvidsson. So now most of the time, your first power play unit's out there like a minute 45. Yep. of, the, and, and then you get a little bit of second power play time, which is barely anything so it, it there's a lot of shifting going on with Arvidsson not being there and with the reshuffling of lines with Dubois on there but I think ultimately this is beneficial for Kaliev to actually be playing with a line that isn't just expected to go out there and you know hold it down for for 30 seconds boys so so Kobe can get us you know a couple breaths in like no we expect you to contribute we expect you to be there we expect you to you know pop 20 goals a season potentially. I don't know. But I think that's very beneficial for him and his development.
0: Dubois, up and down in the face-off circle mm. so far. And that's something we knew. I mean, no surprises, right? Like it's it's a work in progress kind of thing. Um, and and also no surprises that he leads the team in percentage of, of shift starts in the offensive zone. So his O-zone starts are 34%. His D-zone starts... Are 8%. <laughs> so, look, <laughs> coach knows, man. That's okay, though, man. That's okay. That's okay because of what you had, Right. Right? Like, that's okay in Los Angeles. Right. Not sure that was okay in Winnipeg when he was basically their number one center but like well, you also games. have
1: to figure who he has on his line. Like, right? Yeah, exactly. Throw you're not Fiala and Laferrere exactly. out there. These own starts. And be like, all right, guys. <laughs> so it's it's you just coach the team that you have, and I think I think that part's been going just fine. It really has.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's working out. I'm happy with what I'm seeing.
1: Yeah, he's bringing in a solid forty percent. On the In the face-off dot.
0: Hey, and that's still lower than his career. Was he 45? Right. 45 career. So it'll go up. How about that? Yep. Anyone else jumping out to you? Obviously, Trevor Moore is having some kind of start to the season. Yeah. He's... I kind of tweeted that he has that new car smell. <laughs> he just looks healthy and engaged and confident. And you, you that line... Even before Kaliev was up, I forget what the line was.
1: Oh, um, before Ka- before Kaliev's suspension? Yes, before I think Grunstrom suspension. was on there. Probably him, Grunstrom,
0: he? right? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. But that line needs Trevor Moore to be able to score. They need Trevor Moore to create in the offensive zone. Arthur Kaliev needs Trevor Moore. Mm-hmm. Because if he can create offense, that's when Cali is going to come in and, and kind of do the cleanup work, which we saw in that Winnipeg game, right? Like the, the one goal that was an exact kind of how you draw it up, how you would want yeah. it to happen is this, those it's two a, guys forechecking. It's, it's more a classic kind of
1: NHL 2023 goal where you got your grinder perfect. and, your, and your
0: Yeah, like perfect. Grind guy goes, creates chaos, half grind, half skilled guy. <laughs> takes <laughs> up the puck and makes the pass and the finisher finishes, so we'd like to see more of that defense anyone I mean Gavrikov is just kind of picking up where he left off Gavrikov Roy still a complete pain in the ass to play against mm-hmm. just sticks bodies everywhere I just can't imagine except for that McKinnon line maybe any line wanting to to deal with those guys all night long and I think they're getting a bulk of the the top line matchups if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, I'd have to look and see because there was a That's couple a games there where they here. were, yeah, there was a couple games there where, um, I think, um, uh, Yanni's in, t- in charge of the defensive, uh, pairings, yes. if I remember correctly. So, so they were experimenting a little bit. They were alternating with, you know, uh, Anderson with Spence for a little bit, and then Gavrikov with Spence for a little bit. I think they're just trying to make sure these pairings are okay. Um, but again, it, it goes back to that confidence of, yeah, we could, we could probably throw maybe not the lat, the bottom pairing. I think uh, Andreas Englund is, you know, God, God bless his face-punching heart. The, the defense is not <laughs> necessarily what you're putting him out there for. Um, but your top four, I think they're very comfortably able to th- roll them out there one pairing after the next and feel pretty confident that things are going to be okay.
0: Honestly, Englund, like... He, he, there's moments where you're like, oh, I didn't know you could do that, Andreas. I didn't know mm-hmm. you could start a rush and, <laughs> you know, avoid a body check and set up a yeah. play and all that stuff. Yeah. So with the limited minutes he's getting, I think that's, he's doing fine. And I suspect Toby Bjornford wouldn't be doing any better.
1: Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think this is a question of anyone we have necessarily doing better. It's just understanding that you know, these are these are what the pairings are, and the expectation is not that England's going to be out there more than 14, 15 minutes a night at most, because you got four guys who can eat minutes and do it well, and you should be leaning on those four guys.
0: So uh, the Boston game we mentioned, we were invited by the Kings PR staff to be in the press box. I had been before, but it was your made in voyage vardy. <laughs> your your first time because I'm sure our listeners know by now you live in San Diego, so it's yes. not the easiest commute uh to come down to downtown LA. But your takeaways from the experience?
1: Um the commute is terrible. Yes. That has that has not changed. I I make it up to LA probably once a month or so to visit my family. Uh I rarely ever need to go through the downtown area it is god awful <laughs> you called me because we we exited or we were supposed to be exiting about the same time and you were waiting for me in the parking lot for a few minutes like you good <laughs> did you get lost and i was like and i just i cussed out every possible thing i could i went down this whole wormhole about why the hell would Pierre Luc Dubois leave Winnipeg with no traffic and come here? <laughs> you know, my mind, my mind went down some tangents there, but uh, but once I was there, once I was there, uh, just a just a really good experience, um, and nice to nice to meet a lot of the. The guys that we interact with on Twitter and a lot of, you know, other podcasters, content creators uh, that we see out there that um, we have good, cordial, friendly working relationships with. But I had never met. I know you guys had all met each other once or twice before. Um, So just nice to meet all those people, interact with them um, and just really solid interactions with the Kings PR staff and, you know, our, our good friend, Jesse Cohen, always, always a pleasure seeing him and hanging out with him, but everyone was just super nice. And it wasn't, there was no expectation. There was no, there was never like an instruction of like, all right guys, so now you're going to write some good things. Like there was never, right. there was never like a, a quid pro quo to it at all. It was, right. it was very much just like, we appreciate what you do. Come watch a game and get an inside look at it. And I think you just don't realize how many people there are behind the scenes for even just a simple silly early season saturday game against boston right like there is just hundreds of people hundreds of people pr internet presence in arena presence they're just working they're not there to watch the game and have a good time and have a beer or cheer on or you know like this is their job they're working professionals showing up every day to do this and it's 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 crazy. I don't think you realize that. And I brought this up with you that in a way it's kind of humbling like it, it almost took me out of my element a little bit because you go there as a fan. You go there as someone who, you know, we do we've been doing this True. for many years now and we try to be very objective and very perhaps overly critical at times, but deep down you're still a fan. And i think being there and just kind of being around that experience you're like man it would be you kind of like it takes you out of your element you kind of go i I can't be a fan tonight i have to just be able to like focus and take this in as almost like a professional even though it's not my job i I do this as a hobby i do this as as fun but seeing these other people that work for the team and do their job so well like a well-oiled machine every night it makes you feel like man i can't i can't show up to this and be you know hooting and hollering in the press box and doing all the <laughs> things that deep down i want to be doing i i need to maintain a level level of appropriateness here and respect the invitation that's kind of been handed out to me you know um so it was weird it was almost like you see behind the curtain a little bit and when we were leaving finally when we were going home and granted they lost i don't think this would have made a difference if they won or not i was kind of just like Man, I d I don't know. Like would I I feel like I just enjoy the games when I'm able to watch them in, in the privacy of my own home because that cheering that Right. There's that no expectation. Invo- yeah. Right. That that involvement, that like visceral reaction that I have is is probably why I watch. It's probably why I follow the team, is because I want that emotion. I want the disappointment. I want the the happiness that comes with the disappointment. And then when you're there and you're just trying to watch objectively and take it all in. And you cancel out the emotion. You kind of walk away from it. Like, what did I even do tonight? Like, you know, like, <laughs> w- what did I, what did I do? I wasn't angry. I wasn't upset. I wasn't, and I'm just, I, I watched the hockey game, I guess. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm making sense. And I'm not trying to like minimize um, what it is that the, the people who work for the Kings or for any other professional team do, but I gained, I think I gained a little bit of respect for how difficult that job is, I think, in a lot of ways.
0: Right. I think it sounds or you imagine it to be glamorous and fun and like, exactly how can it not be great? You know what I mean? But at the same time, like, just what you're talking about right now is such an important part of that job. Is that you have to remove the fandom to a certain degree. Correct. When you're at work. Correct. And that alone presents a lot of challenges. If if you are deep down look, there might be half the staff might not give two shits about the Los Angeles Kings and how well they do, right? Like I mean right. they do in the sense that if the team is doing well, the organization yeah. is, not in that sense, but I think like, you know, if Quentin Byfield whiffs on a shot, I don't think you know sixty percent of those those people are like God damn it, Q. Like you know yeah. I mean you gotta bury that. Or any, so yeah that part of it is that's a, that would be a challenge for me personally alone because i am so invested as a lover of the sport first right. and foremost first and foremost like or if like someone said you know, actually this did happen because we went down to the press conference for or the media scrum for todd mcclellan and um they were we were told hey guys we're going to leave, like, with two minutes or whatever left in the game. And we're like, why? Right. Like, we, right. don't, we don't but do what if that. Happen- <laughs> and, of course exactly. they, and, of course,
1: yeah, yeah. It was it Grunstrom who got the goal? Yeah, Grunstrom
0: on the power play. Obviously, the game was out of hand because right as we got up, I think Marshawn made it 4-1. So we we're like, okay, that, you know, I feel a little bit better <laughs> about leaving yeah. right now. But that, you know, what if it was a 3-3 game?
1: Right. You know what you'd I mean? Still have be, to, you'd still have to head down. You would, you would still have, have to, to. Absolutely. Yeah. You
0: have to head down so right. that... You have to cut off your fandom right there and be like, right. I got work to do. Like if right. we were in a position where we had to go get those quotes from McClellan and, and write an article, let's say, that comes first, man. Like that would have to come first, right? So we we had leave the game. That's our job. So that right there is a good example of how seriously these guys take their work. And I don't, you know, a lot of them are invested in the team's performance from a fan perspective. So for them to do that is Kudos to them, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and and I do think it's, you know, the outreach aspect of it. I mean, they have look, they got no reason to to invite us or anyone else to come to these games. We're we're not your traditional media members. We're not, you know, we're not being paid by the Daily News or, or the Kings themselves or anyone to to cover the team. And so I take. The invitation that they extend out to us from time to time, with with a great deal of humility and appreciation, because they have zero incentive to do that, right? right? They, right. They, they're not going to think that the snacks that they're giving me while I'm watching a game is going <laughs> to somehow lead to you know more mean, fans. Drumming up. <laughs> yeah, like my my tweets are not going to attract a hundred new fans to the team. I think they do it because they appreciate the commitment that we voluntarily show to the team and the interaction that we generate with our love for the team. So in any way, I, I don't want to ramble too much about it and I, I don't think it benefits anyone else for us to get into the specifics too much, but I just, again, I wanted to just thank whoever, and it might be no one at all listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to thank whoever does listen to this and does, uh, you know, appreciate what we do in whatever context. And um, yeah, for letting us be a part of that, you know, there was never the expectation. We never, ever started this with the idea of, (laughs) I always think of the underpants gnomes from South Park, like, (laughs) start podcast, step two, step three, like become comedians like that? yeah like no there was there was never there was never a master plan what you're hearing was the master plan (laughs) this was it it was just talk and so it's it's just cool sometimes to to get that you know kudos a little bit from the team
0: well said my friend uh i suspect we'll have more opportunities and i suspect we will graciously accept every single and i suspect
1: that i most likely will not be able to make it to a lot of them but Damn it, I will try.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh we'll we'll, you know, I think it's important for us to and I we and I have talked about this. This is more for anyone listening. I it's important to us to be on good terms with the team. Of course. That's that's important. And you know, a lot of people well, I shouldn't say a lot. I think Jesse has is a big part of why, you know, we have any kind of standing with the team, I would say, like to to be on the official Kings podcast is probably something that gets us on their radar, even if it's you know for a small amount of time, or even if it's for hey, we're doing a media night. True. I heard these guys on Jesse's podcast. You know? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we should invite them. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're we're grateful and and we'll always do our best to to show up for those definitely. Right.
1: And again I, I can't make this any more clear in case this is in anyone's head truly truly the team has gives us zero incentive instruction direction whatever it's not you show up to the game therefore you're going to write something nice yeah, about us us or, something there's 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 zero there's zero quid pro quo it is simply show up thank you enjoy the game Right. And, and then and that's 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 really it. Like no one's coming to us and saying, like, what are you tweeting there? Yeah, <laughs> <Like>, you know, <laughs>
0: like, yeah, over our shoulder. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: I need you to not want
0: Yeah. You know, next time they talk to us, they're probably not gonna be like, Hey, didn't like what you said about Bifield in that last episode. Today, yeah. So we're gonna, we're gonna need to tweak that if you yeah. want these sweet free MMs.
1: God knows we have said some
0: Horrible I, don't think things. I don't think they've dug into the archives. Let's just, let's just put it Thank that God. way. <laughs> oh, man. Please don't dig in. Actually, we're not going to change what we do. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Right. Just, uh, you know, rewind you this what, episode. Though.
1: Tell you what, I am more than happy to trash talk some other teams. Because, boy, oh, boy, is there some exciting other stuff going on in the NHL. Should we start with our neighbors to the north?
0: Let's please
1: I start. I, I, and I don't mean San Jose because they're truly not <laughs> worth our time. Let's go farther north.
0: Let's go farther let's go, north. A let's, let's cross that border. Crisper Air. <laughs> oh, man. Who do you want to start with? Okay, I think let's, let's... Let's start with Vancouver
1: because credit to them, they're playing well so far. Whether yeah. it's the Rick well, Talkit effect or whatever it might be, it's... They're doing a whole lot better than they were last year.
0: Canucks second in the division, uh, four and two. So they're one point ahead of the Kings. Good for them. I think we talked about how this is probably kind of a make or break season for not make or break, but it's like, it's time to not suck guys. Mm -hmm. With all the, you know, you've built the core now it's there. You got good young talent, right? You got a great goaltender. And they're doing okay. I think there's, you know, they're still going to have lulls in their game, which is expected. Vegas, you know, not north per se, but they're a house on fire. No Stanley Cup hangover. Uh, can't believe I picked them third in the division, but here we are. <laughs> Seattle. little Little
1: shaky out the gate.
0: Not great. I think they, what did they do tonight? Did they win?
1: Uh, they lost three two to Carolina to
0: Carolina when they were up two nothing. Yeah, I believe. So um, so they're granted they're they coming a off of a back to back with, yes. with
1: the tough game against. And Detroit, I think Joey was in that. Yeah,
0: um, but it's good that the Kings can kind of afford to be three two and one, which is not a bad record, of course. But you know it's not that Boston, Colorado, Vegas type record right. right right okay now let's have some fun
1: yes and the reason uh the reason i brought up the canucks first is because three of those four wins that they have have come at the expense of the edmonton oilers and the calgary flames and so i, I don't think you can mention yes. the success of the canucks without mentioning the the thus far utter failure. It is of the other two teams. And I know it's six games, seven games, whatever. Okay, I'm we're gonna, gonna we're gonna...
0: gonna nip that in the butt in a second. Don't you worry. Calgary yeah. Flames. You know what, man? I don't know if you saw Zadarov's comments. I did to the media. Like right there, my friend, right there, you know this team is in deep shit. Yeah. because you got a guy coming out. He's not just saying yeah. hockey shit. Right? He's tell he's saying in his God bless him in his broken English. <laughs> he's saying what is on his mind. To the point of saying, like, hey, the boogeyman's gone. Right. Right? Daryl's gone. You bitched about Daryl. He's right. gone.
1: Mind you, he's not even the captain. So is not. not even the he captain. Is, I
0: mean, he should be <laughs> now. <laughs> I think he should be. <laughs> he's making a play for it. <laughs> Dude, like, come on. Um, talking about individuals playing like individuals and not a team. Doesn't take a detective to figure out who he's probably talking about. Probably talking about the guys who ran Daryl out of town. Probably talking about mm-hmm. Jonathan Huberdo and Nazem Kadri, most likely. To the point where Kadri pushed back on those comments, saying, "I don't think it's that at all," and gave some hockey stuff. You know.
1: By the way, Huberdeau four four points in eight games and a minus nine.
0: Yeah. You want to check out that contract?
1: Nazem Nazem Kadri uh, one assist in eight games for a whopping one point and a minus ten. Just killing it.
0: (laughs) Um, They completely no-showed against St. Louis tonight. The St. Louis Blues are not great. They're 3-2-1. Same record as the Kings, obviously, but the build of that team when you on paper Calgary is a stronger team deeper team mm-hmm. all across the board so to get spanked by St. Louis like that probably not a good sign but again as soon as Adarov makes those comments man i'm like this is you know this is not good like this, this yeah. team's not doesn't have it obviously it's a fractured locker room yeah
1: i was going to say you're 8 games in and you're already in closed door meeting territory here
0: <laughs> right right so they're not looking good the Edmonton Oilers look like they couldn't give a single shit about hockey right now. <laughs> and you could tell me, look, Connor McDavid has missed two games. So let's not, this is not a McDavid issue. This is not because they don't have Connor. There were games Connor's in and they didn't look like they didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Against Philly when he got hurt mm-hmm. towards the end of the game, checked out. Evan Bouchard, a great offensive defenseman. I take that back. A great power play specialist. <laughs> he really is, man. Like, I look, he could run my power play, but he's getting 10 minutes. Sounds dirty. <laughs> because this guy doesn't want to deal with any contact. Right. He, You know how you rim the puck around on a penalty kill and you see D like pinging up to the wall? Right,
1: to, right, 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 right.
0: No. <laughs> no, thank you. It might hurt his ribs. <laughs> it might hurt. He's not... No. He'll wave at it. You know, he'll, he'll kind of a wave little, at it a little, little
1: bit. little mid-air tap.
0: Leon Dreisaitl is pouting the poutiest pout you'll Kissy ever Leon see. Is back, he baby. looks so... He looks like a child right now. I watched the Rangers game today tonight. And every time he would go for a change, it looked he looked like a toddler dragging his feet and like about to throw a tantrum. He's a great player, but he he do not compare him to Connor McDavid. Like Connor McDavid drives that that bus. Right. Leon Draisaitl's a passenger probably in the front, no doubt. But he needs Connor's speed to create that space for him. But I'm because I'm telling you right now, every time today he gained the zone on the Rangers and did his little pull up, he had nothing mm-hmm. because the drop off from McDavid to whoever the hell is on his line is quite steep. Right. right. Quite steep. Um, Evander Kane looks like he's done. He can't handle the puck. Like he. He's resorted to fighting like every game now to, right. to contribute in any way. Their goaltending is terrible. Jack Jack Campbell will have a period. He had a period against Minnesota where he hit, he made like four saves that are like already save of the year and then mm-hmm. allowed four goals that like you're like, what are you doing? Stuart Skinner looks like you Stuart took a goalie Skinner. from 1992. <laughs> Like time traveled <laughs> to this era, and like trained them for six months. Just be like, all right, this was we're butterflying, we're moving up. Like this, is what we do, go. <laughs> and he's just confused.
1: You know, anyway, we all have a lot of we all, we all have a lot of pastimes. I don't know if there's any pastime you enjoy more than just heaping shit on the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> it,
0: it's so. I've gone out of my way to say, like, I don't hate any team. And I still don't hate any team. But the Oilers specifically, it's not the players. It's everything about everyone involved with the Oilers that pisses me (laughs) off. Like, the writers piss me off. The people covering the team. The people doing their YouTube shows. You name it, dude. They're the most entitled, arrogant bunch I've ever seen. They're like, fire the coach, fire the coach <laughs> now. It's like <laughs> this is it now. Like, fire him. That's what they're saying. And I don't yeah. love Jay Woodcroft, but dude, watch the games. These guys are playing like they they do not care. Or they're playing like they want this guy fired.
1: Right. Right. So,
0: you know, that's why like I take a little bit of pleasure in this. Because look, and we're we said it too. We called them to go to the final, right? But the whole idea that Connor McDavid set up a private <laughs> training camp two weeks before actual camp. They called it a captain skate, right? Mm. At the end of the season, he stood up and he said, next season, we're starting camp two weeks early, boys. Cup or bust. Cup or bust. He said those words. And for them to do that and come out of training camp looking like it's this pretty great. is hilarious. Yeah, it's great. And I'm going great. to laugh.
1: Yeah, no it's it's absolutely great because there's there's probably no other team in the entire league that has the expectations placed upon them like the Oilers for obvious reasons, for the sheer amount of talent, for the truly generational talent that they have with those two guys, obviously one better than the next. Um and for how close they've come, they've just kind of knocked on the door and not quite gotten there. The expectation from us and from everyone else was that start to finish, these guys are just going to be a menace, something something to behold, you know? And to see them stumble so magnificently out of the block and and not just that, because because teams can stumble. But stumble, and then just already start showing that they lack the the mental fortitude, the the personalities, the 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 makeup of a team, the leadership of a team to kind of just stop the skid from looking more embarrassing from one night to the next. and then and then to have McDavid get hurt,
0: yeah. where
1: now he's unavailable to to be elite and steal you a game for the next week to two it's it's just like a it's a it's a tragic comic kind of thing you know and it just keeps keeps growing and growing and growing you have like I said you have pissy pissy Leon's back baby doing his his pressers granted I think I'd be pissy too if I had to deal with Spectre's questions but the point is this is it (laughs) This is this is the life that you have chosen. You are in Edmonton. You are an Edmonton Euler. Spectre is part of the equation. And your persona, the, the representation that you're bringing and everything that you're bringing, like it all bleeds into the team and it's showing up on the ice. And you could say that none of this matters. We're all tight in the locker room. None of you out here understand. But you keep showing up and laying eggs, man. And it's just... It's just—it's so funny to me. It's so funny to me. I can't help but watch it and just,
0: just—I—I
1: I smile. I smile. I—I I, the the you know, the shouting fraud of it all. I just—I can't. Yeah,
0: because you can't have get to earn it. the right to be this smug. You have to earn the right to be, right? Such a prick, all across the board. Like you have to earn that, dude. Like if if this was the Chicago Blackhawks and they still had, all those guys. Forget even if they were the age they are now. And they came out smug, I'd be like, you earned it, man. You earned right. the right to be smug. The Pittsburgh Penguins, if they're smug, I'll be like, yeah. You, dude, be smug. These guys, like, dude, <laughs> like you've done, you made one conference final. Right. And to be like cup or bust or like. That's a good rallying call, I guess. Like, hey, man, copper bust. I mean, that that should
1: be, right? Like, that should be the rallying call for them.
0: That's perfectly fine. But the entitlement of everyone involved around it, even Jay Woodcroft's face. Like, I love the fact that right now, if you look at his post-game pressers, that that look is no longer on his face, and it's just sad boy. Mm -hmm. And I like sad boy. I want to see more of sad boy moving forward.
1: Well, all oh, of this obviously Sorry, the yeah, kicker. Go ahead. No, no, the go kicker. Ahead. Yes.
0: Before tonight's game, they inducted Charlie Huddy and Doug Wade <laughs> into the Oilers Hall of Fame.
1: Oh. I didn't realize I didn't realize there was still room in the Oilers Hall of Fame every so, every So there is the retired jerseys. Mhm. Mm-hmm, and then the ring of honor.
0: And then there's the second tier, which is just you're in the Hall of Fame, Charlie Huddy.
1: Okay and then and, and there's is there like the the beginner's oil rig or what's the third <laughs> yeah, level maybe. here that you yeah. uh
0: I think that's where the like
1: oil pool
0: crummy is <laughs> <laughs> basically everyone who's worn the jersey needs to be honored in some mm-hmm. way because it's an honor to play for such a prestigious WHA franchise and the best part dude you got Paul Coffey they rolled him out They had to. That's what they do. Paul Coffey's there. Kevin Lowe's there. Charlie Huddy. Standing ovation. It's so Oilers. (laughs) It was so Oilers.
1: Just basking in their prior glory. Dude,
0: the Rangers stomped them. Jonathan Quick with the shutout. Forever a king because of that. (laughs) They couldn't score on Jonathan Uh, Quick, who is sporting, I believe, a .98 save percentage on the season. In two
1: games game. that's right yeah that's right that's that that is nice i i i want to see him how many more He's, he needs a lot a lot of wins doesn't he we looked we talked about this once before it's he more than like, 10
0: yeah yeah yeah. it was he like two 12, he needed like 14. two seasons of yeah, yeah i believe he broke the shutout record though if if he hadn't already
1: no oh, interesting
0: american born golden shutouts
1: well that's great i'm Totally happy to see that for multiple reasons, and I take great pleasure in seeing these other teams stumble because Vegas, like you said, is not showing any signs of slowing down. And so, not, um, not that I think not that I think the Kings need help, I'm willing to accept any help wherever they can get it, if it helps them establish their game a little bit better, get some better right, exactly. positioning. More than happy with it. I Figure will take it out that.
0: a little more. They are yeah. dealing with a significant injury, so
1: yeah, yeah. But the vibe, the vibe around the Kings to go back, is is very very positive. I think Absolutely. despite the losses, the vibe is super positive. I mean, you're you're having milestones like you know Kopitar now, the longest reigning LA King. I think there's there's a good feel through that locker room, through the organization. And it's, you know, like a team, a team could come off of those two losses, be like, oh, it's three, two, it's whatever. We're not starting the way we want to. But I think that in general, there's a, there's a very positive outlook on it. Like guys we're playing well, it's details, it's stuff that'll get ironed out. It's stuff that's going to look good in time. No worries here. I think that's the appropriate way to approach things.
0: Um, yeah, no, I agree. And you could see it in friendship bracelets. You could see it in when Gavrikov's mic'd up the way he's interacting with like Kevin Fiala and stuff like that. It just feels like a good group mm-hmm. that is humming along. I mean, obviously they could have a better record, but the vibes like you mentioned are positive. And that's so important. We just talked about two teams where the vibes are not good, mm-hmm. not good at all. And that they're good teams on paper.
1: Right. Should right.
0: be better than this. So
1: Yep. LA Kings. Um, good vibes only. That's what we're going with.
0: Anyone else around the league that has surprised you or I'm uh, kind of surprised that Boston's they, they 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 lost pretty spectacularly tonight, actually. They yeah. were three three one against Anaheim and they lost four three in overtime. Yeah.
1: I mean but I think they're, on, they're just they're on
0: a long roadie. So Yeah.
1: They're 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 surprisingly good. And I think that they're I don't know. I don't know if this is just early season, you know, power fumes and it'll kind of fall apart, but so far they're doing just fine. Pasta Marchand, doing just fine. Um Colorado looking, yeah. phenomenal again as as McKinnon and McCar and um uh, oh gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Rantanen. Right now. Ranton, thank you. Or you could also um, name
0: three other guys.
1: That could, like. but I mean as long as <laughs> long, as long as they're going, the rest of them are going too. Georgiev is doing great for them in net. I think that's yeah. very important. Um Detroit. Detroit looks great.
0: They look like tough loss a yesterday. good time.
1: They are tough tough loss yesterday against Seattle, but I mean Dylan Larkin is second in scoring, I think, just behind Jack Hughes. They were tied for one night and then Jack Hughes popped in another four points. Sure. Yeah. You called that one. He's definitely called. The, oh, yeah.
0: Yep. I'm a genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll I don't know. You, I was going to say, I'll tell you who is way worse than I thought it was Minnesota. They don't look good at all. Mm. They look very confused and just not right. They're uh they're 3 3 and 1, which obviously isn't bad, but they just haven't looked good in their games. They just mm-hmm. goaltending's not good. I, the Kings obviously popped in what seven on them. Mm-hmm. Um but I thought they would be like comfortably in third in the Pacific. Well, not comfortable mm-hmm. because we thought Winnipeg would challenge um
1: not uh central,
0: right? nice yes, yeah, central. I'm yeah. Sorry, not not Pacific. <sighs> Game so, yeah, getting hurt. That sucks. Yeah, that did suck. Did, you know you don't want to see that i wanted the kings to beat them with him in the lineup you know that's right. what you want right and uh thankfully it wasn't as bad as we no, man, initially that looked, thought it, it didn't look good. i
1: i that would have i i will say i was i was very encouraged by the outpouring of support for him from kings fans and stuff i thought right. there was going to be a fair contingent of people Karma or whatever you want. I don't know. Yeah. Like some bullshit like that. But Yeah. yeah. But like, I think everyone was just like, oh man, not like that. Like that's, that's not what you want for this guy. So.
0: Right. And because it's, you know, his back is his back obviously, but then this is something else and you don't want that to to linger in for his career either. Right. I guess the good news is that it wasn't his back, right? Like it's it's a freak, freak kind of injury. And it wasn't his
1: ACL. I mean, that was that looked awful that looked it really really bad so it did um anything else anything else no I think I, we can
0: I think we're good we can look ahead. Mosey
1: on down to what's the what's the rest of the schedule looking like so Arizona coming up uh yes. Friday to tomorrow Which is and then tonight
0: by the time you listen
1: correct and then back home uh to play Vegas that's gonna be a tough game another yep. another tough game early on.
0: And then toronto on on halloween which
1: Oof. that is scary
0: yeah i can't really you see well, what i
1: did there because it's because it's hollow well you know
0: that's why you're you
1: this is it <laughs>
0: but that's why we get into the press box that's right, that's right. <laughs> uh, the schedule doesn't really soften up i mean you got
1: not, not until mid-november yeah, not really not Ottawa's until mid-november honestly philly's
0: playing well Pittsburgh yeah. can beat anyone on any given night.
1: Yeah, I think I think I mean the Flyers are are looking decent, but I think maybe from Pittsburgh on the rest of November gets a little bit more manageable. Yeah. Famous last words, I'm sure, but yeah. I mean that's 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 kind of the soft spot, I think. And hopefully by then we've worked out some of the kinks. We've we've figured out a way to get the power play more than just puck movement, like actual finish on it a bit more would be nice. Um, yeah, good vibes, man. I think by, again, if you're a subscriber to the idea that by American Thanksgiving, who's ever in is in, who's ever out is probably going to be out. Then the Kings have some solid games coming up through the rest of November that, that should give you a decent look of what type of team they are. Um, I
0: think it'll be a little later this year, probably this first week of December, because the season started a little later than usual. That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, still, we But I, to... I guess
1: my point is, like, you will have seen them play against good teams. You will have seen them play against yes. bad teams, yes. and and everything in between. And if the record at at that point is reasonably higher in the win column, I, I think I think things would be looking up for the team.
0: Yeah, we need more San Jose, quick. <laughs> Dude, there's
1: there's not a single San Jose game until it's, it's like, a while.
0: Probably until, December.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't see a single one. I'm looking. So the first San Jose game is December nineteenth. Yeah. So but that's then nice. there's
0: there's a quick one on the twenty seventh. So Yeah. But yeah, they're man, they're, they are somehow worse than advertised. They're, and they were advertised very poorly.
1: They're gunning for what they were gunning for. I mean, my
0: San Jose Futures bet is looking very nice. I bet them (laughs) to have under 66 and a half points. Oh,
1: did you? Wow.
0: I did. Nice, nice. And they are well on their way.
1: More, more schadenfreude. Love it. To that. All right, friend, this is episode 107. All right. So last time there was 18 players. This time around, there are, let me see how many are there, uh, 1, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17,
0: 18, 19, 20, 20. There's 22
1: number sevens. Mm. All right.
0: I'm a number not surprised. Here we go. Okay. Um, Bjornfoot. Good start. Sakara. Indeed. Sandstrom. Yes. Armstrong. Yes. And we're slowing down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> plenty, plenty in the... Eddie in the, Olchick. There you go. Plenty in the 2010s and such too. There's a few I more know, in the those 2010s.
0: Those uh, the ones I tend to forget all the time. Armstrong should cover a good chunk there. Uh,
1: yes. There's, there's a very there you go that's I was gonna one. say very significant name between Armstrong that's, and Sakara
0: yeah that's an important one yeah um, a couple
1: after Sakara too between Sakara sure. and bjornfoot
0: um
1: there's there's a few in your sweet spots of the 90s there's a here.
0: defenseman that I I'm thinking of okay from 2018-ish yes. I, I, I like the name is escaping me.
1: Name? Think of all Think all of, all of a very...
0: All I'm thinking of is, is James Neal putting him in the spin cycle in that series. You remember that? That play <laughs> yes. off the board? Is it Fantenberg?
1: Yes, it is. Fandenberg. Yes, it is. Right. Oscar Fantenberg.
0: There he is. Cool, Forever cool, embedded. Cool.
1: With a number seven spinning around as it fell to the ice as James Neal <laughs> got around That's
0: him. right. That's right. That's my memory of him. Anyone that jumps out to you that's like, dude, you have to know this. Um, a couple,
1: but there might be some number change situations in there. I see. Like there was one between Sakara and Fantenberg, actually. Mm. That I need to confirm that there was no number change. And then there's a, there's a few like one year here, one year oh, there kind of guys. I got a name
0: for you. Phil Sykes. Correct. 85
1: yes. to 89. yeah that's right that's right there was definitely a number chain situation for one of them okay i'll give you that one because it's not fair uh derek forbert apparently wore number seven at some point before going to 24 yeah okay before he became 24 bort
0: (laughs) yes no i wouldn't have gotten that for sure
1: (laughs) yeah that's not easy but there's man then mid 90s i thought you would you would be am i missing that many oh yeah there's a few
0: Mid-90s?
1: Yeah. So like Sandstrom, Sandstrom and Olchek mm-hmm. should
0: be like at least half there's, the 90s. There's,
1: there's there's a few in between, man. So Sandstrom was 90 to oh, oh, 94 oh, oh, and Olchek oh, oh, oh. was 97.
0: Dan Quinn.
1: There's one. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> um. There's another one, huh, you are saying?
1: There I mean, is another.
0: The 90- God damn. That doesn't seem fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not coming to me.
1: All right. Um, Steve McKenna.
0: That's right. Jurassic Park.
1: How mm-hmm. mm-hmm. can I
0: forget the Jurassic Park line?
1: That was 97 to 2000.
0: <laughs> These were the lines we were naming in that's the 90s. a That's guys. a
1: great line name. That is a great yeah. line name. Yeah. Solid.
0: That's to back go from when Jurassic co- Park. We had to name our scrub lines.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> That's to go from to Jurassic Park and then straight to LAPD shortly after. I mean, these were yeah. golden era of creativity.
0: It was uh, McKenna, LaPerriere, and Matt Johnson. <laughs> I mean, Lappy was the friggin' talent of that group.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like do something like <laughs> you need to create <laughs> get jurassic yeah you need to be uh, the creator on this line Lappy. that's right drag <laughs> like
1: Jesus, mckenna
0: literally right. those guys were just dinosaurs on skates so, <laughs> that's right. so I, yeah, I get it
1: <laughs> um cliff running
0: oh with one season right
1: one season Here, yeah. there's so interestingly, there's a couple of one season dynamos and then there's a there's a one season that became a lifetime. I don't know if that that hint helps you at all.
0: There's a one season that became a lifetime.
1: Mm hmm. I'm being a bit coy with this.
0: Is it Emerson? Yes. That's weird because he also he changed his number.
1: I, I, I'm i trying to pull this up and see what the, he was what 19. the number change was. Yeah.
0: But I do. Yeah, Sorry. that makes sense.
1: Yeah. These number changes always, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's had a host. He, he had 17, 19. 17. <laughs> Pick a number, Nelly. Come on.
0: <laughs> Probably pissed that they brought in better players with his numbers every season. It's like, God damn it. I well, my I don't
1: know. I don't know. Unless you consider the next guy who came in better than him. The um, next number seven? Yes. It wedged between Nelson Emerson in 2001 and Cliff Ronning in 2002. For a very short period of time, and again, I, I, I can't tell if this is a, a preseason, what have you situation, but uh, uh, Yaroslav Bednar mm. was listed as number seven at one point. true. Gotcha. That's right. Bednash. Is...
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> as we used to say.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. All right. Um, so going backwards from there, uh, Kevin Brown in 1996. Jim Paik 94 I forget if we said Jim Paik already or not I apologize no 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 no. Um, you had Phil Sykes yes and then and then uh, I believe this is the same individual who's now part of the uh, NHL head office Mike Murphy
0: yes it is absolutely that is Mike Murphy's uh, that was little little Older, I would have gone there for sure. He's he was, yeah, a, quite a mainstay for the kings for a while. So.
1: And then just before then, real Lemieux
0: Frenchie Lemieux. The other Again, guy, let me reiterate <laughs> that Jack Ken Cook came up with these nicknames. All right, not me.
1: Basically, if you're a French Canadian, your nickname was going to be Frenchie, <laughs> yes, in the 60s, or croissant, or brie, <laughs> or something along the <laughs> yeah put yeah put baguette and uh, you know the eiffel over there out, out yeah. together and
0: anyone was and native beret. american it was just chief <laughs> get in there chief
1: just terrible i'm pretty sure they had per- a
0: chief on that team by the way
1: yeah probably
0: jkc just, baby just <laughs> just Different
1: racist time. out of every poor <laughs> yeah um surreal so Lemieux, uh Dick Duff prior to him, nineteen seventy to seventy one, Skip Crake, sixty-nine to seventy, Brian Campbell, nineteen sixty-nine, and Terry Gray in nineteen sixty-eight. So now right. we, I, who who do you give this one to, man? There's there's been a few it's, number sevens.
0: Look, man. The best number seven of all time is Thomas Sandstrom.
1: I I gotta agree, man. It's the way I it is. Agree.
0: The way it is, number seven for the Kings is Thomas Sandstrom. Yep.
1: All all due respect to Mike Murphy and his Absolutely. nine years. Or er, yeah, nine years, nine years.
0: Yeah. Big respect to yeah all Dan Quinn <laughs> and all those guys yeah. clip running. Yeah. Um But yeah, I mean, you think number seven, it's, it's just so hard when you think of that Gretzky era jersey <laughs> in seven, like it's so hard to envision anyone right. else. So.
1: Is that Dan Quinn the same Dan Quinn who's coach Dan Quinn now, or is that a different Dan Quinn?
0: No, it's a different one. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, there you go.
1: There you go. Whew. That was a fun one. The good. Yeah, we gotta
0: we'll pick up the pace. We'll pick up the pace.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll be we'll be better. We'll be better. But that was good. Thank you guys. That was great. Uh like, subscribe, review twitter interaction keep it coming um if we make make it to any more games and stuff we'll we'll give you some hot insider gossip or
0: whatever we pick up yeah for sure (laughs) give you all the trade secrets that's right kings have pretzels in the snack bar (laughs) Pass it on (laughs) so uh sorry quick correction it's david quinn the rangers coach
1: david quinn sorry sorry it's late guys i'm sorry i apologize yeah man
0: how could you get such an important thing i'm
1: I'm gonna go lash myself
0: to to, to (laughs) cope take take it easy (laughs) all
1: right uh thanks everyone um keep watching boys are looking good you're gonna enjoy it uh go kings go you've been listening to the bannerman an la
0: kings podcast